0: I'm Molly, and you're listening to Zetas Lapidus of Mammoth Club Original Podcast.
1: Hi everybody, boys and girls, I'm Alan. I'm Molly. And I'm a quit. I mean, I'm Max. Oh God. I thought we were going to say it, we're triplets. We're (laughs) triplets. We're three babies.
0: We're three out of five. (laughs) We're triplets. Which
1: is more than I'd rate this
2: movie. Um, (laughs) Are you Adam or B? eddie or another letter that's one of the first five letters of of the the alphabet that was very that
1: was clever they really reached for that one clever though okay folks this is zetus lapidus it is the podcast where we watch every disney channel original movie or decom in chronological order and spend way too much time analyzing them this week we watched quince we sure did unfortunately it's so bad but boy did we watch it yeah. the basic show info of quince which is wrong by the way because i just did the math based on the end of this stupid movie is 14 year old jamie goes to desperate lengths to get attention when her mother gives birth to quintuplets what what's How's wrong wrong uh, her age. She, start, she starts the movie at 13 and ends the movie at 14
0: so she's still 14 so
1: right? she is 14 right and i'm you know sure i just don't yeah fine you're right
0: I feel like this point gets this movie gets a lot of negatives, but that's yeah, that felt no, yeah, right. Don't,
1: yeah, right. it doesn't. Yeah, you're right. The last the last three minutes of the film. Alan, the is, the
2: thing uh, is, is okay. The thing is, is if you pick at things that are correct, then it makes your other very reasonable and true criticisms (laughs) feel like they don't carry as much weight, right? So we got to, in debate, we would call this conceding the point.
1: You know what? I concede that in the last three minutes of this film, she was 14. Therefore, it rules out the majority of this film, which is another 87 minutes of her being 13. And I concede that. Um, Yeah. This Thank movie you. was released on August eighteenth of the year two thousand.
0: Happy birthday, you!
1: Stupid, yeah, what a bad birthday. Isn't
2: it weird that we've had multiple decoms come two. out on our birthdays? Yeah, I feel left out. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you'll have one. Which It'll one hit was yours, eventually. Vax? 13th year. No, no, stepsister no. from Planet yeah, Weird. Yeah, but say so
0: it. not even not just
2: yeah, bad birthday decoms, yeah. but two Too of the bad. worst ones we watched. Two bad birthday decoms. Wow. Lucky Uh-oh. you guys. And both in the same year, too. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. This is the year that like production uh, ramped, up, ramped up. We had a monthly decom, but yeah,
1: weird. Did either of you watch this movie as a kid? I did. No. Yes. I did you I did not. I thought I, I thought, thought it was a fever dream. It must have been another decom that was a fever dream because it sure as hell wasn't this one. I watched Molly, it. you did though. Yeah, you, and you did And I
0: remember liking it okay, but it was never like a favorite of mine
1: oh well i can't imagine to, why yeah it's such a good movie the top grossing song of the day was incomplete by cisco
2: dad have you remember that song i don't know this one this is the
0: first time
1: i don't know the
2: song yeah i i feel I... incomplete no <laughs> oh.
1: oh nice
2: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you're I welcome for really that one yeah. really i really do sure. I real, I mean, I had a really crank on that on that. But yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to look it up on Spotify right me now too, to see what it sounds like. When
0: you said incomplete initially, I thought, oh, it's the Backstreet Boys song.
2: And then you sure the that was the first result from Spotify.
0: And then you hit me with Cisco and I'm like, that thong, thong, thong song, uh, Cisco of the thong song,
2: uh, Cisco of the thong song. And this sounds like an R&B slow jam. Good stuff. Okay, good.
0: It sounds like every other R and B song of the time.
2: Right. Every every R and B slow jam of the year 2000.
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh The top grossing film of this week was The Cell.
2: I oh, do- I remember that. Do you? I don't. I don't. I didn't see it, but I remember it coming out. Yeah, I remember.
1: It like I, I, I was like, didn't this have to do with like some new like technology that allowed people to? And so it was literally like it's Assassin's Creed. That's the premise yeah. of this movie. Is a
2: yeah, it has like a snake person thing.
1: Uh huh. I think. Yeah. yeah, I remember doing a little bit of like a Wikipedia surfing just to read through it, and I was like, "Oh, this is wild," but never yeah. saw it. Some of the news headlines of the time: uh, Number one, Al Gore is elected as the Democratic representative going into the following elections. Good. Oh, uh, we are we are
2: getting into some hanging Chad spice. Yep. It's coming for you. Yep. The inventor of the internet,
0: Al Gore. Though, I think of an inconvenient truth.
2: Sure. Mm.
0: I had to watch it in high school.
2: Yeah. Oh. It is an inconvenient truth that he invented the internet.
1: Yeah. That's so inconvenient. And also the premise of that documentary.
0: Uh, My documentary is about global warming.
1: So that's I was, true. So I was doing sarcasm there. Yeah. That was, that's mm. what Alan was. Yeah.
0: I wasn't real clear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Some might say that's the, that is like the truest form. Uh, also, There were studies that were conducted, the three of us will find this very interesting, uh, that around the back half of the year 2000, so right around July, August, really sort of ramping up in August, VCRs were beginning to be Uh, phased out of most homes and being replaced with DVD players. Ah. Uh, So this is like kind of like we saw transition into texting or transition into CD players. When we went through that, like CDs to MP3 in sort of mid-2000s is when we get the VCRs all being tossed out into the trash and replaced with DVD players.
0: Rip VCRs.
1: Next year, we're going to get the iPod.
2: Mm -hmm. We are. Yes, we are. A Uh, massive monumental technology shift is happening is this what Y2K was about?
1: Yes, 100%. That's uh, all it was about. Also, uh, we remember the Be Kind Rewind campaigns. Oh, I do remember that. And yeah, these at Blockbuster. They, they were also phased out by the end of this year because it was just a full transition. Yeah, you didn't and, have to anymore. You didn't have to. I think like they had small
2: sections of VHS. Isn't it weird that there used to be a piece of technology that was in your home? I don't know if you all had this. My grandparents had this. I actually didn't because we just had a VC bar, a VHS vcr they did it but my grandparents had a piece of technology that's only purpose was to rewind vhs tapes so did my Uh, grandparents isn't that crazy it is that there was a thing there was a a a thing that existed in your home that's only purpose was to rewind a tape
1: yeah like imagine how that company felt like the lobbying they had to do against dvds
2: yeah they're like we are going to go away way of the dinosaurs
0: more importantly isn't it crazy that i still have
1: a vhs player yes we do it sits in max's uh, you know what's
2: crazy is that that was the source of entertainment (laughs) in the spare room that i would stay in for (laughs) a couple years actually it's like hey uh we're so happy to have you here the bed is right here and if you want some entertainment while you're staying there's this vcr and you can put in any number of these vhs tapes to watch while you uh try to go to sleep now we can't guarantee any of them are rewound so you might have to rewind them um before you can watch them but they are available for you
0: okay but you act like it's not a wide array of films there's all kinds of classics in that box. Uh huh. Yeah.
2: There were There's that's true. Jurassic- Bridget Jones' Diary. <laughs> Bridget yep. Jones' Diary. Jurassic-, Jurassic
0: Park. Yep. Yeah. A variety of Disney film.
2: mm Hmm. Yeah. I- and I this think- year, when Molly I- upgraded to a Fire Stick,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was just for you, pal.
2: <laughs> this year, she upgraded to a Fire Stick, and and I said, Molly, I'm I am so appreciative, but I've been watching things on my phone this whole time. I've never turned that TV on <laughs> once.
0: Um, I know, but I I thought you were sitting in there. Watching watching Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. Oh, I, know you, yeah.
2: I know you are surprised. <laughs>
0: I would lo- for, for the record, if you invite me to your home and you offer me a VHS player with old VHS tapes, I'm going to be thrilled by that.
2: You'd watch it. Okay, but you'd watch some for the trailers, right?
0: Oh, the trailers are great. But I also sometimes think that that grainy quality really makes oh, the movie. Yeah. yeah,
2: I too love a shittier version of a
1: thing I can watch on my... <laughs> High death. What's the digital version? No, fuck the digital version. Let's bring out that grainy ass film. I like, role, I I really like when that line
0: yeah. goes all the way from the bottom of the top. Oh, of yeah. The oh, gosh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. God forbid one of those is scratched. All right, we've, been, we've delayed the inevitable long enough. Let's dive into this movie, shall Unfortunately. we? Unfortunately. Oh, okay, everybody. We're going to talk about Quince. It is the uh, triumphant. Nope, it's not. It's just the return of Kimberly J. Brown. She's back. Uh, she's back in here. We also get the return, as uh, as Molly pointed out, of uh, I can't remember her name, the lead actress from The her, Color of Friendship. Her name is Piper
0: Dellums in The
1: Color of yeah, Friendship. Piper Dellums, she like plays Zoe, Zoe
0: KJB's
1: bestie. KJB's bestie. Now at the start of this movie, we are introduced to what is truly the culmination of every single annoying concept that a DCOM has put forward to date. One, narration. Two, pausing freeze frames. Three, voiceover. And then they had the fucking audacity to introduce a new concept and that is kimberly j brown dead ass staring at the camera i hated it i'm
2: so happy right now
1: i was so mad
2: were you this is shocking information for me. <laughs> my God!
1: For those of you listening, one, I apologize for headphone users. Two, I am gripping my mic stand so hard. He really is. I loathe this. Like it was just the, the 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 audacity, the audacity of them to think those three shitty concepts would be made better by somebody staring into into frame. Uh-huh.
2: No. <laughs> yeah. So they introduced the movie. Uh, Well, behind the scenes here, I watched this movie about three days before Alan did. And uh, in the second scene of this film, when I saw Kimberly J. Brown stare into camera, breaking the fourth wall and explaining what was happening to uh, me, I texted and I said, well, Alan, you're going to hate
1: this movie. And I, 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 I mean, I believed you in concept. And then we started watching and I was like, this is actively awful. Like I would, I almost let, and, and, and for no other reason than to do Zetas Lapidus, I watched the movie, and yeah, sure.
0: multiple times. Alan was like, "Can we, can we stop watching this?" And I was like, "No," <laughs> we, it, like I we have to. You watch cannot.
1: It. You can't. No. Trapped. You can't. So okay, and I, I'm sorry, I forgot. There's a fifth element that they introduced that I absolutely hated, and they do it throughout the other film too. So we have Kimberly J. Brown as uh, what is what is her Jamie. name? Jamie. Jamie, uh, int- who, who sort of introduces Grover. the film and the concept. She is it is literally as if they've they've read the script from Alley Cat Strike and they're like do more of that everywhere. All your whole movie but more. And that's her job. It's
0: that plus Miracle on Lane 2. The fantastical scenes in Miracle on Lane 2.
1: Oh,
2: oh sure. Right. Yeah, they, they bring that back, but here's But also uh, a call and response with the audience. And she which it, is Truly, next level. We haven't heinous,
0: and she is so condescending to me. Oh yeah, she thinks I'm a dumbass.
2: She really does.
1: She really does think you are a dumbass. And this is like this is the kicker. She gives away the full plot of the movie three and a half minutes in. We are we are under five hundred seconds into this film, and she's like, "Here's the plot." But she looks into camera. Into your eyes. And says to you, audience member, us, it's not going to be lame or boring. Bullshit. She
0: boldface lied to your face.
1: Both. She is a pathological liar, Kimberly J. Brown, in this film, throughout. And it's because of these sort of freeze frame fantastical, like, cutscenes we get. She cutaways. And she's like, no, you didn't think that would actually happen. Would you? I hate you. KJB, in this movie. I don't hate it, you as a person, just as the role you were, you were asked to play.
0: It reminds she, me of. She's
1: simply performing a, a part. She is. She is. KGBI I apologize. But the role was bad.
0: It reminds me of early episodes of Sex in the City, which were not as good as the show turned out to be. But uh-huh. in the early episodes of Sex in the City, they would have Carrie specifically turn to the camera and be like, I guess I'm going to go fucking for research. Like, she wasn't that brazen but that was always the implication but she would look at you in the eye and tell you what she was about to do or be like girls gotta eat right and it was so stupid and they luckily stopped it after season one or first few episodes of season two but that's all I could think about but unfortunately uh, they kept doing it
1: so I guess my question to you both and I I genuinely don't know the answer to this I I think the answer is no has that ever been done well in film or TV like having a character just stare at camera and Talk you through what's going to happen. Like, yeah, it's I interesting. It, it's so interesting. You
2: ask that question now because as Jamie was looking at camera and uh, saying things, asking questions, and eliciting a response, and then and then responding as if I had responded, I was I was brought back to what I think is a, a pinnacle of television, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a little insulting for me to even say. The name of this TV show in comparison to Quince, because I think it's doing it an incredible disservice mm-hmm. to to compare Quince to this. Because I kept waiting for her to break out the male song uh <laughs> as if this was an episode of blues, blue. of blues of Blues Clues. That blue. I she, she was she is the proverbial Steve in the Quince universe. Don't, and no. And I kept waiting for her to say, we just got a baby. We just got a baby. We just got a baby. Wonder what its name is. You know, like I, I, I think that the closest thing that I have to this is Blue's Clues.
0: I actually have one example where the talk to camera did well, shockingly not a children's program, but a family fun entertainment and one that we've all watched together. Now, oh, before I say this, it wasn't a common occurrence on the show. It was just like a one-off bit, uh-huh. but but it was Fuller House.
2: Oh, and in
0: Fuller House, again, insulting to say it in the same breath as "quick," obviously, we, House
2: would, we would never disrespect Fuller Supreme. House." With obviously,
0: an, um, I mean, just an immaculate cast of upstanding citizens.
2: I'm sorry. Hold on. I need to pause for a
1: second. Did you just say (laughs) upstanding citizens? You mean the same people who are like possibly going to jail over fraudulently getting their children into university? Alan, I'm yeah, you... sure she would be a good
2: rower. Anyway, I my <laughs> <You> my can... <laughs> main issue. Uh, hypothetically, if you gave her a chance, I'm sure she's a great rower. Did you not just say this wasn't a children's program?
0: I said it's a family program. I don't think. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah, compar- I'm so compared, it's compared to Clues. what? No one watches Blue's Clues <laughs> unless sorry. they have ch- small children. Well, okay. Speak for yourself.
2: So
1: okay. What,
0: okay. <laughs> the part I'm referring to in fuller house was they made a michelle joke and they're like oh i wish ah, michelle could come mm, for thanksgiving i do and remember that everybody turns to camera and they're like come from new york it'll be fun and it was like a right. very good joke about the fact that the olsen twins were never gonna come and be on this short
2: sure. yeah, yeah yeah
0: and that's the only time i can truly think of that a look at the camera actually was funny and and uh comedically done well
1: in both of those instances though right if you're talking about a children's program in blue's clues or in the in the joke that happens in fuller house you as the audience are a part of it like as the audience member if you if you grew up a full house you're watching fuller house now because you're you're engaged you're into it like you're a part of the joke the problem with with quince one of many things is that it's patronizing so the audience isn't in on the... I'm not in on the joke. Now, maybe I would have been as a kid. Maybe as a kid in the age demographic for this film, I would have been in on it. Um, but as an adult, I'm watching this back. I'm like, this is awful. The first beat of this film is you getting introduced to the full plot of the movie. You seeing newspaper clips of the Quince before they come. You having Jamie sort of establish that she is the center of attention. She's got a lot of pressure on her. The parents are trying to force their paradigm on her. That's, they're going to hammer those plot points home over and, over and over and over and over and over again in various different scenes throughout. But she gives you all of it upfront. The thing that's puzzling to me, I you know,
2: we've talked a lot about, as we've watched all these different DCOMs, we've talked about the different writing style of different, whether it's teams or writers or whoever that are creating these, right? And one of the things that I have noticed is that We went through a period where they were very expository Allocat strike is a is a great example right where there was just so much exposition Everything needed to be explained and not just once but over and over and over again the rules of the the mighty apple The you know why there were the stakes every single thing was explained. There was no show It was all tell right? right and then We just had Ready to Run, which I think one of the strengths of Ready to Run is that it wasn't overly expository, right? It was mostly show, not tell. And we didn't have this overabundance of exposition. This is taking exposition to the ultimate level like we're not just gonna have a character explain this to you we're gonna just stop the movie and explain it to you as acknowledging that you're an audience member watching the movie and we're gonna say hey in case you're not quite quick enough that town name i mentioned is the town i live in i didn't need that like it is it is really dumbing down the film it's unbelievable actually that you've got movies like Color of Friendship next to this film that is so dumbed down. And it does make me question like, again, I bring up like, are all decoms for the same audience? Because it doesn't feel like it.
1: Yeah, th- this is, this makes me feel like it is targeted to and a Blue's
2: Clues age audience. Yeah,
1: right. Yep. So we, uh, we are introduced to Jamie in her room. She goes through, explains, and outlines the plot of the film, which is that her mother is going to have quintuplets. Her dad has a plan for her. She walks you through their house, explains the interior of the house, spills juice on herself, doesn't stain a shirt that would certainly stain, and then goes outside to show the house to everyone, which is this, I'm colorblind, I presume it's yellow. It's yellow. This gaudy yellow house.
0: I, the most important thing is that Jamie's parents are helicopter parents,
1: right? Very True. Tr- like projection parents to
0: the nth degree, and they're always talking about the plan and how the, she's got to follow the plan and how dad is studying to get his degree again because that's part of the plan because he can get a promotion at work if he finishes his degree. You find out that the plan for Jamie at this point is to get into George Washington Magnet School next year for high school, which is a science and math school but she's not actually very good at science or math and uh it doesn't seem like she actually has any intention of wanting to do those things and
1: they explain that through two scenes of her getting her report card so she you you were introduced very quickly to her friends as well bradley and zoe bradley who i actually one of the two characters who i did enjoy in this movie one of them was bradley uh mainly because i was like you you Y'all are not, his face Bro, right not like this. I'm not
2: like so this. Hard Alan. I'm so hard. Alan. He is one of the worst characters in this film.
0: <laughs> I, I actually think Bradley's on the better half. <laughs>
2: oh God. I hate him.
0: I think oh. both parents are worse. I think she's worse. I think Arnold or whatever the fuck is. I mean, I
2: don't think worse. I don't think anybody's
1: likable. Oh, I didn't say likable. I said one of the better characters of the film. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, God. Uh,
0: uh, I like the uh, science teacher, or the art teacher.
1: He is, yeah, yeah that's true. art teacher is the, teacher is the, the one, nice to be clear. He's pretty he, likable. Can we all just right now, art teacher, the most likable character. Likeable.
0: And then everyone else. Everyone else. Yeah,
1: and then everyone else is behind. bad. If this is a horse race, it would not nearly be as close as Ready to Run. Thunder Jam, true. a.k.a. the art teacher, would have won this by a very, very long mile. So we are introduced to that trio of friends as they're sharing their report. Cards, of which Bradley days Zoe, we don't really hear. We assume she's done pretty well. And... Jamie has not done very well and she then has to go and take that report card to both parents and that's when they again reinforce the you're gonna do okay you're great because it's part of the plan and that's the only thing we expect from you.
0: And then mom also like works at the local paper and like publishes her child's poetry and and shit in the paper like in ultimate nepotism style and they're just like Jamie is a nepo baby. Yeah they're like everyone Mm -hmm. loves your poems like everything's great it's just As an only child, I did feel this a little bit, but my parents never, like, put me in the local paper.
2: Can I say, I I do feel some kind of tension, though, with the way they react to her grades. Because Mm -hmm. the message is about, like, there's all this pressure because we need you to get to magnet school. She shows Cs, and, and I don't... I mean, neither one of them react particularly negatively. They're supportive of her. Like, it wasn't like she's in trouble it wasn't like we're gonna go get you a tutor it was like you'll do better you'll improve you're gonna make it like there was support there i didn't feel the like anger or disappointment from you underperformed
1: my takeaway from that scene was one of they're driving this my parents just don't understand narrative because of how saccharine their response is there it is it is overtly positive, almost to a degree that feels fake. Like mm-hmm. the parents are forcing it. So when I watched it, it was it was like, you know what, you're gonna do great because it's the plan. It's not here today, but you're gonna make it, and like, it's all good. And what they're not doing is asking their kid what would make like what are you what do you want or, to do or being realistic, maybe. Right.
0: You're actually tapping into my biggest problem with the movie, which is a bold statement because obviously surface level it's the damn like mechanism of her talking to me and stuff but like ultimately i think what's wrong with the plot even if you removed that mechanism they don't know what the parents or her are supposed to be like because they also say things to her like you can be anything you want to be but then they also have this very specific plan that they have mapped out for her and they would never conceive of her stepping outside of that plan to do something like art and then jumping way ahead the very end of the movie the motto that she comes up with is well what did we learn life is always what you make it what the fuck that's not what this movie was about at all yeah. like they just throw a bunch of cliches at you throughout this entire movie and they cannot decide if the parents are mean because they're ignoring her because of the other babies or if because they are making her do this specific plan or because they don't support her art but yet the mom wanted to publish a poem in the paper which is art like they yeah. cannot decide
2: what is going on it's yeah it's, and i think that's what i need at the beginning of this film is that as jamie is Setting up the world regardless of how she does that obviously we all Mm -hmm. don't like it But as she's setting up the world and she's establishing the static world of like Helicopter parents that put a lot of pressure and have a plan for me to succeed and maybe that's pushing me in a direction I don't want to go we don't actually ever see the negative side of that. She gets bad grades They don't seem disappointed. They don't punish her for that. There's not any negative but what we actually need for the narrative is for her to say, mom and dad, I want to be an art club. And for them to say, no, you're not allowed. Right. But instead, right. we just have Jamie self select out. And so we never actually know how the parents
1: would respond. And they try to, they actually, I think they tried to introduce it unsuccessfully in a conversation that Jamie has with her dad when he gets back home. So like they have the report card sharing, they all get back home together. They're over dinner. And the dad talks about, I really love photography and started talking about like I wanted to do that and I wanted to do this art thing and I wanted to have this eye photography was the thing I wanted to do. Mm. And Jamie looks at him as like, Well, when you take pictures now it's all blurry and it's not even in focus. And he's like, well, I never got the chance to practice the thing I wanted to do because it wasn't part of the plan. So it feels like that moment is meant to, but but the problem is they play that moment after Jamie has already self selected from art. So even if they had had self select out of the art club, after that conversation with her father, even that in terms of timeline and flow of the movie might have helped it a bit, but regardless we have, A lot of this stuff being driven home—that's very surface level—and it feels weighty, but there's no, but there actually isn't any weight behind it. There's no substance behind it.
0: You know what movie does this well? What? High School Fucking Musical does Mm. this plot well. Mm. Mm. High School Musical does the—that's true. We want you to be this thing, not this thing. We're going to actually make fun of you for doing this thing, but you want to do that thing.
2: They have a whole song about status quo. And and I don't want to I don't want to belabor this point, but I think. What you just said made me think of something, Alan, which is like, here's another piece of tension this movie needs. Dad needs to be successful. Yeah. Like, do you know you know how you build in the idea that the plan is what you do is you make somebody that has given up passion for money and you show the tension of well i stuck to the plan and now i can support for the family and maybe i don't get to do photography but at least i can provide this life for you and he has chosen to take this path and you have the daughter that wants to take passion over the like plan instead you have a dad that followed the plan and what is he doing he's going back to school because he doesn't make enough money to support his family like it and like i'm not saying man do whatever you want good for him for going back to school but you need the tension in the writing to actually give weight and like instead it just doesn't it doesn't build any tension we never see her parents say no to anything she does before or during and after the quints.
1: Right.
0: And to build on your point, dad not having enough money to support the family isn't a problem just when the quints come along. They mm-hmm. make multiple jokes and comments about how like when they're like "Step into my office because he's a he's the general manager of like a, a hardware store it seems and right. like he's like "Step into my office and they go sit on the empty toilets in the plumbing rack and he's like when I get a promotion I'll have a much bigger office and then they make right. multiple multiple comments about how much overtime he has to work later and it's like you're right it's it's not like his plan is a bad plan like that and, that's the problem and it's not to say like You can't have a really good life working as a manager of a store, but because he's being so stickler about the plan, like it would be much more efficient if he was a millionaire or like working on Wall Street, making a ton of money. And like
2: anyone would say, I I think I just want to add on like. People would say, like, well, it's, it's more complicated than that. It's because he hasn't been successful that he's trying to project this plan onto you because he wants you to have a better life. This is a freaking decom. Like, it needs to be simplified. It needs to have clear conflict and clear tension. And the clear version of this story is dad has given up passion for money. He wants you to be successful. This is what he did. So he wants you to have that life, too. I, I understand the, like, I want a better life than I have had. That is seems really muddy with the whole Quint story. Like, that's a different movie. Yeah. There's
0: too many things happening. And again, yeah. they can't decide what they wanted. She can't decide what she wants. The parents can't decide what they want. No one can decide. It's really wishy-washy. We need Johnny Tsunami again, where the dad... Same thing. Dad is very regimented. He doesn't want you to be like his dad who gave up everything. He doesn't want you to be like his dad who gave up everything to be a surfer. He wants you to make something of himself. And he doesn't ever have any fun, but he makes... Like, you need that because, again, you're right, it's a DCOM. And maybe if we were not so wishy-washy with everybody, we could drop the frickin' talking to me.
1: Right. right. It, the, it seems that the talking to camera is a device that is intended to add clarity because there are so many threads creating this very tangled ball of yarn. So, Jamie comes home from school one day. Mom and dad are obviously stressed. They're they're sort of volleying back the conversation before both of them sort of independently tell Jamie, that mom is pregnant again. Not just pregnant, but very pregnant. I wish
0: they had said Mom and Dad fucked.
1: Well, what they <laughs> did do is they said
2: <laughs> I wish they were I like, mean they did in other I words.
0: Know. I just wish that it was like, JV, we have something to tell you. We fucked.
1: Yeah, we, we went to Poundtown. We, we are played the No Pants Dance.
0: We are the parents from Miracon Lane too. Uh
1: we have strawberry massage oil in our side table. That's right. Um <laughs> What they did do blueberry, was, we're a different household, oh, yeah, yeah blueberry different they they're a blueberry household this, as long as it's not grape yes. um we we do have the mom look at just sort of look into the ether and go, "How did this happen?" and every everything in my body willed willed what was about
2: to happen to not oh you happen. didn't you didn't want Jamie to say, "Well, mom." You told me when a man and woman love each other very much, <laughs> you didn't want the you didn't want the thirteen year old girl to look at her mom and explain sex to her. Is that you didn't want that?
0: Is that the closest we're gonna get to a sex talk at a DCOM or do you think we're gonna get more?
1: <sighs> I don't know. Wow. That might be the closest thing we get, and I mean, listen, Good on Jamie for knowing, good on her school and or parents for practicing sex education. Great job. You know what I didn't need to have? Didn't need to have the child feed it back to the mom. Like, didn't need that. That was just ick. I was like, no, nope, Uh-uh. Now,
2: listen. Never had a kid. And I appreciate that this movie simplified this moment, but it was a little interesting to me that seemingly these parents both discovered they were pregnant and discovered they were having quintuplets in the same moment. Yeah. Because let me tell you, I don't think that's how that works. I'm pretty sure they would have known that they were pregnant before they found out they were having quintuplets.
0: I I also don't understand when she's like, how did this happen? And I want to be like, ma'am, you're like 40 with a child you know what needs to be in place or not in place in order to not have another yeah. child.
2: You pulled the goalie, pal.
0: Yeah. Like, you, you gotta wrap it or something if you... Yeah. D-
2: <laughs> You've been here before. You, you <laughs> know way. what to do. You or know what not to do. do.
1: And successfully avoided for the last 13 years. Yeah. because And the reason that I say that is, I, is because they seem exasperated more than happy in this scene. Right, like th- I mean, wouldn't you be if you found out you're having five kids? Yeah, that would be that would be a lot to take in. Uh,
2: you wonder if they, you wonder if they planned on having one, right? And they had five. Oh, maybe, maybe, nah. maybe. or if they, or if they weren't planning on having any, and they had five. both. Both are shocking. Okay, I, I, but I, if I, you I at least were planning on having one, that at least is better.
0: I understand. The accidental pregnancies happen i just have a much harder time wrapping my mind around it when you're like when she's 40 with a 13 year old already like right be shocked obviously that's a big surprise but it's the verbatim line of how did this happen
2: well yeah also it seems like you knew 13 years ago as well
0: yeah mm-hmm. also also fun fun little interesting research i did i wondered to myself Can you even have quints if you don't have IVF? Because obviously, if you are struggling with infertility and you do certain uh, things, multiple babies at the same time are very common because of the different procedures. And if you have IVF, the odds of having quints are six in 10,000. Whoa. Six in 10,000 is the number I read. Uh Uh-huh. If you do not use IVF, the Uh odds of getting pregnant with quince are one in 60 million
2: pretty low pretty low pretty low one in what do you think if you're the writer of this movie yeah and you want to write a film about helicopter parents and you have an idea that a 13 year old kid is got a lot of pressure and then there's a new baby what do you think motivates you to make it five babies like is one baby not enough babies I, I is, think, is, is it not think, conceivable that one baby would remove the pressure maybe even twins you need it to be
0: five babies i think five is whimsical
2: <laughs> Oh, oh, sure. You think you're the burden of five babies No, I mean, is if I found out I three wouldn't be whimsical, four wouldn't be whimsical. <laughs> Twins.
0: I don't think four has a cute Quads. name.
2: Ah, sure. Quince. I you, think they Quince. thought of his name first.
1: It does I roll think off the Quince tongue. is
0: the cute name. There's already a movie called Twins.
1: Yeah, there's also sure. a movie called Double Teamed, which is what I imagine a twins movie would be called. That's
0: oh, wait, it, it what is I, a twins it's movie. It's not what I imagined a movie called Double Teamed would be about. <laughs> don't worry, listeners. Can't no imagine movie. why, Molly. <laughs> I'm just, no, I don't think it'd be fun to find out I'm pregnant with five babies. I think that would be a nightmare of sorts. But I just think, like, I think five is whimsical and, and sure. wacky for this movie and like i think crazy. you're
2: probably right that they started with the title
1: first
0: and i think quince is a cuter word than quads
1: well you know they don't want to <laughs> shot at the top of a leg uh what happens next is what i wish would have happened for the rest of the movie and that is a montage to get me out of this thing What they do is they show a montage over the nine months leading up to the Quince joining the family.
0: Can I just say, when they show her at nine months pregnant, she does not look pregnant enough to have Quince.
2: That's true. She never looks like she's pregnant enough to have five babies in her.
0: I I thought she was like, when she was like, oh, cramp, cramp. I thought it was going to be Braxton Hicks, like like a cramp scare, but... I mean, because, like, if you look at people that are actually pregnant with multiples, they are, like, so pregnant, it's unbelievable. Like, women's bodies are truly miracles of oh, of evolution and, and majesty and wonder. And all women should be kissed on the nose every day and told they're amazing. Um, because it's unbelievable. I, but I'm just saying, she looks like she was, like, maybe normal pregnant with one baby. I think
1: at a certain sure. point, like, I don't have any concept of it being a male, but it is like, I I imagine there's there would be some mobility issues if you're carrying five babies like that. To yeah, me, she's
0: pretty spry. Which um,
1: it's just yeah.
0: I've never been pregnant, but I also am surprised they didn't make her comically large for the movie. I guess. Sure. What I'm also getting at a,
2: a movie so whimsical as you put it <laughs> exactly. Mm.
0: Like yeah. I'm surprised they didn't make her just like massively pregnant. Yeah. But what's good is how realistically pregnant she looked like she didn't look like she shoved a pillow under her shirt at all. Right.
2: Yeah. It's nice that instead of going the whimsical route, we went a very realistic route.
1: (laughs) Speaking of realism, we have the mom going to labor and she is rushed to the hospital. They nearly forget uh, Jamie at home and eventually run, make it to the hospital, and the babies start to be delivered rapid fire. Uh, it's like that scene
2: in 101 Dalmatians. It, They're, just yeah, popping yeah, out. They're just popping out dogs. It is. They, they stole this scene directly from 101 Dalmatians.
0: And then the dad's coming in and saying the names. You're so
2: right. It's exactly that. He's like, got the fucking pipe out. You know, it's like, it is 101 14. Dalmatians.
1: 15 puppies 15 puppies so they have the three the three the five kids and they name them alphabetically a b c d e they really reached for this one
0: adam becky charlie debbie and eddie, eddie. eddie. yeah oh and they all end oh, except for adam i was gonna say they all end with like an e sound but adam ruins it
1: yeah they have to put plot device kid in plot device <laughs> setting this Mickey's is actually name different
0: this is actually what I liked Brad. Cause he's in the, like her friends are good friends. I feel like they're pretty supportive of her and they're in the hospital with her, like handing out lollipops to other people in the waiting room. And they keep handing the same couple lollipops over mm-hmm. and over again. I thought it was pretty funny.
1: And that couple delivers like, Hey, congratulations. So there's a teddy bear to the, to the father. And then the, the, the woman in the couple comes over here and she's like, you're going to need this and slides him. What I imagine are painkillers. Uh, or narcotics one of the two i don't know it could be either it's a toss-up really and he's like thank you so much what gets me is how tired the dad looks
0: listen like he
1: ain't done it is exhausting
2: standing around (laughs) yeah
0: he he probably Alan, he probably had to like Hold her leg or something. With her hand. hand yeah, he probably comfort. squeezed his hand kind of hard.
1: Yeah,
2: he had to be like, "You're you're gonna make it."
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, don't, you've done three out of five. You're over halfway there. Like he's yeah. giving that encouragement. How hard to this. can it be? Well, hey, listen, he keep probably probably on. He had to come out this. and announce names. Oh, that's rough.
0: Yeah, he probably Tough. saw some stuff. He yeah. probably
1: did see
2: some stuff.
0: Smell some it, stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh God.
2: Probably smelt some stuff. Uh,
0: yeah, it's but been it was, a
2: it's been a trying time for dad. It was
0: probably quite a labor for him as well. It
2: is. It, yeah. a miracle. It, it reminds me of that Friends episode. All men should be kissed on the nose <laughs> and told how how great they are for bearing the burden of fatherhood every day because of because of what they have to go through.
0: You know, one uh. of my least favorite things ever. Just on a side tangent note, tell me, it's when. Women say that their husband is babysitting their kids. And I'm like, you mean they're just being a father? Like, (laughs) what do you mean they're babysitting your kids? Like, when when I have mom friends... It's not
2: his responsibility.
0: (laughs) When I have, like, mom friends that get to do stuff, and I'm like, oh, where's your husband? And they're like, oh, he's babysitting. I'm like, you mean he's being a fucking dad? Like, what do you mean he's babysitting? He's your 14-year-old neighbor? It's kind of a secondary
1: responsibility. (laughs) it Mm. makes me so... Freaking mad. So they bring the babies home and it's immediately stressful. What? So they, crazy, right? It's so whimsical. Imagine five, five. kids, easy peasy, As an adult? in a
2: 1,200 square foot house <laughs> at most. As an adult, they get
0: into this in a little bit, but my very first question when they said Quint, is how are they going to afford this?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, my first issue with it was they pulled up to the house in two cars the second one had no babies in it and i thought where the fuck did they put all those babies in that one car they i even looked i even looked online to find out can you fit five baby seats in one back seat and the answer is no i don't know where they all went what was it dad Oh. That feels
1: illegal. It is, but it's the you early odds. You can't even have them in the front seat.
2: Oh, I know. God. Very dangerous.
1: Okay, so the babies come home. They introduce a nanny character, uh, Fiona. Fiona. Of Shrek and. And so Fiona arrives, and she is a, has a terrible fake Scottish accent, and... A it's, plan. She has a plan. Has another plan. Mr. G's a big fan of hers. She does True. not give or address any of the children by their names. She assigns them numerical values. True. One, two, three, four, five, and six. Might be six. easier. We get some, t- I, I think it's supposed attention where Jamie's supposed to feel like she's not getting the attention she wants from the parents because the parents are tired of taking care of the kids. And this is when we get Jamie spending more time at school trying to find her independence. And we see that represented in her joining the art club. That is the, the genesis of her joining that particular club in school.
2: Yeah. She joins the art club, not because she wants to, but because she doesn't want to be home. Not because it's actually a thing she wants to do. It's because she just doesn't want to be around Fiona.
0: I think, that's another good point as to how bad this plot is because the plot is better if she has a passion that she's not allowed to explore versus
1: she doesn't the, want to be a teacher Fiona.
0: who's wonderful mr B is like what what do you want to do and she's like I don't know he's a great teacher and he's like well you know when you can answer that question I bet you know like what you should do with your time or you know come to art club in the meantime cuz it's really fun and like we don't give out grades and all these things but i again think this movie's better if she has something she really wants to do
2: the the whole idea of the quince is that now she has the freedom to to work outside she's not being noticed it's the like the upside of the quince in the beginning is oh i'm not getting helicopter parent they they aren't paying attention now i can sort of work outside the plant that i agree molly it works so much better if she had something she wanted to do this whole time and now she can finally explore it and she doesn't so it's like it just doesn't make sense the 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 and the beats
1: of this film. We have her go into our club. The conflict continues at home. They try to, s- they slide in the money conflict with Jamie bringing it up, which is nonsense. And that now rears its head. And then about four days into nannying, Fiona quits.
0: You know what's interesting about Fiona? Oh, I, I, I can't I
1: wait to find out. Is, I think it's
0: interesting that you brought up her fake Scottish accent. That's bad. Um, And it's definitely fake because the actress who plays Fiona, Robin Duke, is Canadian.
1: Oh, this is happening. Oh, she's
2: from Fantasyland.
0: She is. And I recognized her immediately because she's in one of my favorite shows that takes place in Canada, Schitt's Creek.
1: Huh. How interesting.
0: Yeah. She plays Wendy, who ends up being, uh, she's a store owner and she employs David Rose and she becomes a, a friend of David Rose. Um, And I love Schitt's Creek. I don't know how much you guys have watched it. It's a phenomenal show, but it uh, stars Catherine O'Hara, the mom from Home Home Alone, Alone. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sally from Mm. Nightmare Before Christmas as Moira Rose the pinnacle of a great TV character. Um, But, you know, I love it when big celebs make cameos on other popular TV shows. Sure. Yeah, sure. And Catherine O'Hara once made a cameo as Dr. Deborah Ratcliffe on Modern Family, another very popular sitcom. Yes. You know who else made a cameo on uh, Modern Family? Kevin Hart as Andre, Phil's neighbor, and they kind of bond over their kids growing up too much and then the two of them end up like building a tree house together it's sure. nice kevin hart also played cj in scary movie three you guys remember the scary movie movie? of all
2: of the oh. kevin hart movies you went with scary, scary movie, movie three, 3 huh? and you
0: know and you know why i did because there was an amazing amazing actor in that film eddie griffin he plays mm. morpheus in scary movie three you probably know eddie Griffith. if you saw him you would definitely know him he's in a lot of those movies with that group of of actors he was in deuce bigelow male gigolo um and he was also superb in his role as bike messenger in the hit film what <laughs> armageddon what? bike messenger bike huh messenger incredible yeah
2: incredible i'm, I'm a major role
0: Along, Blockbuster, alongside eddie you had J. Patrick McCormack who played no relation that I'm aware of. I'm, if, is, if we're related to someone that was in Armageddon and you haven't told me yet, I'm going to be very upset.
1: Molly, now's the time to tell you. I don't know. Oh, well, oh, we should well. find out. Uh, <laughs> 20, but, 23 and Me sponsor yeah. us. Mm-hmm.
0: J. Patrick McCormack, <laughs> maybe or may, may, relation unknown to us.
2: Yeah, could <laughs> be. could be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who's J. Yeah, J. Could Jay Patrick, Alan's call cousin. us.
1: Yeah You're listening We (laughs) know
0: He plays uh, General Boffer Sure In that film Uh, He also Sometimes takes on A more comedic role He played Dean Mooney In National Lampoon's Van Wilder I love that movie You guys love Mm. that movie It's a great one With uh, No Little Ryan Reynolds action Alongside Ryan Reynolds Leading lady Tara Reid Ah Remember her Yeah She Mm. uh before the sharknado film she played gwen pearson in that film she also notably played vicky in american pie a classic film a classic film that uh, also Mm -hmm. stars jason biggs but more importantly than jason's biggs his dad is played by eugene levy
2: oh another schitt's creek person i was gonna gonna say are you coming back through schitt's creek
0: Am I coming back through Schitt's Creek? Am I going to pair Moira Rose with her beloved husband, Johnny Rose? You bet your ass I am. Because, you know who else was in Schitt's Creek?
2: Not just Fiona.
0: James Call, who plays Clive in an episode of Schitt's Creek, but he's also Mr. Blackmer in Quince. Huh. How about that? And I just think it's so interesting that not one, but two people from this absolute dog shit film. (laughs) Ended up in what is arguably one of the best sitcoms of all time.
2: Uh, Well, I mean, we did say we like The Art Teacher the best. So at least the best character. Yeah. I don't know if I feel that way about Fiona, but I do feel that way about The Art Teacher.
0: You've been armageddon the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because... She
1: won't. Back to it. We have Fiona exit, nearly taking a child with her. Uh, yeah, she's that,
2: wearing that kid on her
1: back like a backpack and has a no idea. Sure is. And the parents go into a panic. Who's going to take care of the kids? Jamie volunteers, has another god-awful dream sequence where she grows an arm out of her back. Yo, that was a horror show. I hated it. It was I don't know what child. that that was a horror show. I exclaimed. I was sitting on the couch. You know my spot, Max. I was sitting on the couch. And that happened and I went, "Oh, no." Like <laughs> I, yeah, I was disgusted by that effect. And she realizes, "No, not great." And you know what? Gosh darn it, wouldn't you just heckin believe it? Just in time plot solution comes in the form of skeezy albert and we love a dsx
2: machina don't we we sure do why have conflict when you can just have
1: a solution and you know where that solution is outside your front door as the dad is stressfully leaving after he's tried to calculate how to do 70 hours of overtime that is not possible those listeners do the math you can't do it. There's not enough hours in the day to do 70 hours of overtime on a 40 hour work week. You guys are not going to get it. I've, I've tried before. Yeah, I think we all have. We work for Disney. Yeah. It was they were, they, hey, Christmas week, man. You get that double back. But, Desas Machina, we have Skeezy Albert on the outside of the door. Albert is Skeezy Albert because you tell right off the bat wow, this dude's a Skees. And he introduces the family to they, the the solution to all their problems, and it's celebrity become influencers. Yeah, become That's influencers. Right. Become baby influencers by selling. This movie is diamonds. so ahead of its time.
0: Yeah, <sighs> honestly, these babies the paved the
2: way for a this lot was of pre social media. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. They knew. This movie uh, knew the future. It sure did. I'm yeah. turning around on this movie. I think that this was, uh, you know, really leading the way.
1: Don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do this. So the skis have been introduced. The parents buy into the skis's scheme. And the skis goes over to Jamie and says in the skeeziest way possible, just so you know, we're not going to focus on you. Like you aren't involved. And I just want you to know that ahead of time so there aren't going to be any problems later and you're not going to get your feelings hurt and listeners you think i'm paraphrasing i'm not that is nearly identical to the lines that the skis albert delivers to jamie
0: for legal reasons if you're playing a drinking game every time alan says skis we do not condone it
1: that's true yeah please don't die to skis skis so albert gets them into a uh, a perfect solution And you know what? At first Jamie loves it because she doesn't have to be the center of attention anymore. That was her entire problem thus far being the center of attention, the weight of expectation that was never followed through with any sort of repercussions or consequences had been weighing on her. So now she got to do what she wanted to do. And that's, I guess, art. Maybe. She's discovering that. Yeah. She's like, I might actually be semi okay at this. Maybe. I mean, she's never done it before in her life, but she's very good. We get a lot of the art teacher, Mr. B, what we'll call him saying he does this a lot. This is the only time I haven't really enjoyed him when he was on the screen. And he's like, well, I'm a teacher. So that means I can insert some cliche here. Well, I'm a teacher. So that means that I don't have to tell you what I'm thinking. I'm the teacher, so I don't have to respond to that. Al- like
0: Alan, seventy percent of this movie is spoken in cliches.
1: That's true. That's true. I just I wish that Mr. B wasn't. Was a part better. Of it. Yeah, you're better than Mr. B.
0: One thing I noticed in the Albert scenes is at one point they're stressed about like how they're going to get it all done, and they do the craziest three sixty cam <laughs> that like I've ever seen. It's it. I guess it's supposed to convey the chaos and the whirlwind of the system, but it's like Albert talking to the parents and they 360 for a whole loop and then stop. And then 360 for a whole oh loop and God. then stop. And I was like, what is this camera angle that we've brought up all of a sudden? It's it's nauseating.
2: Yeah, it's it's got to just be chaotic. And as they move forward with this idea of the quince being influencers and making all this money and they're doing all these photos, another crazy beat that is completely unnecessary to move this forward. It's like they could not decide what was the best way to tell the story is that Jamie is spending time with the Quints. It's one of the ways she's learning how to do portraits in art and she is practicing that by drawing the babies and she's starting to get triggered by the idea that her parents don't think of these kids as individual babies. They think of them as one set of quints to the point where completely unprompted and with no setup at all, she just rearranges all of the babies in yeah. different cribs. And then when her parent picks one up and is like, oh, Adam, she's like, that's not Adam. How do
1: you not know? It, They're
2: a fucking baby.
1: But I, it, she starts calling out and the intent is supposed to be like, oh, think, she knows the baby so well. It's really passive aggressive and I,
0: toxic. I think the whole thing is to make a baby dick joke. You think the setup is a dick joke? There is a
1: baby dick well, there, joke. There is there. a dick joke. I'm There's just a, just like, That's a part a where the dad's like, joke. this is
0: definitely Debbie. And then he like looks in the baby's diaper and he's like, oh, no, it's not. And That's I'm like, did we need that? Did we need that joke? I'm gonna say we did not need that joke.
1: Not in the slightest. I don't
0: think we need this scene, but we definitely did not need that joke.
2: It, it
1: just well, the, felt out of place. The whole setup is
2: setting up this idea that these babies are individuals and I, Jamie, am an individual and we have individual needs. None of this is needed. The Quints are fine simply as a, a source of chaos and attention that pulls away from Jamie. You, not, you don't need any of this individual storyline. It makes the whole narrative worse. They don't need it at all. Take it all away. Just the idea that Jamie is not getting any attention, that Jamie has important events that are missed because of the quints, that the parents don't have time for Jamie. That's enough. You're good. Nothing else is needed. You know where This crazy down? idea that every baby should be able to be mm. t- treated as an individual. They're fucking six months old. They are just babies like
0: to make it somehow worse. After this little test, she puts the parents through the dad comes to talk to her and have a heartfelt chat. This is crazy. And wild. He says, like, basically, like, did we mess up? Like, what can we do for these babies? And she says, and I quote, just love them like you love me. I'm sorry, is this whole movie not about how she doesn't like how her parents treat her? The whole plot of this movie is that she doesn't like how her parents smother her and helicopter her. And this is her chance to say, you know what, Dad? Don't put as much pressure on the kids as you put on me or whatever. But she says, do exactly what you're doing with me. I love it. It's great.
2: What You know what I love most about that scene, Molly? Is the dad describes remembering how cute she was when she was a baby and how small she was, and you know, remembering back to when she was like the quince. And then he looks at her and I will also quote, I think I love you as much today as I did then. I I'm sorry. What the fuck? What? I think I love you as much today as I did the day you were born, is the quote. You think you do? Of all
1: the things to say in that moment, that is that, it, that ain't it chief, that ain't it. So after that ridiculous scene between dad and daughter, which I think let's just say for, for ease, that entire scene of Jamie rearranging the babies and that whole interaction, needless, not needed. What we needed was her to just be drawing portraits and then be like, look at what I'm doing. Enter art conflict again. That would have solved everything and would have been 10 minutes shorter which is exactly what i want from this movie i want it to be the length of a fuller house episode that's all i want and we get to following scene babies are going to do a commercial parents are in a tizzy it's a big day for jamie because jamie has a parent teacher conference
0: but uh, yeah but also the is this before, after they let her be in the commercial or they're going to this, her- this is
1: before because they do another scene okay, that's nearly right, identical you're right, you're right. to this that has set up. Oh my God. So parents are like, okay, yeah, great. It's going to be awesome. Cool, cool, cool. We'll definitely be at the parent teacher conference. I thought, no, they're not. And Obviously not. Clearly not. Which, by the way, if they had just done this scene, it would have gotten that message across about individuality instead of what we have just gone through. Right. That's that's what I'm saying is that like you don't need any
2: of this like babies are
1: individual bullshit. It's just so much projection and generational trauma in such a in, in 90 minutes. And I just can't. So
0: also like, again, no children. But I, I'm pretty sure if I had more than one baby and especially if I had five, I probably wouldn't know which one's which I would be luck. I would be thrilled that they were. Sleeping. I think
2: you're just trying to survive.
0: I think. Yeah, I think- exactly.
2: Those kids are six months old. You are a set of parents trying to keep five kids alive. Man. Yeah, you're man, outnumbered. You are outnumbered. You are just trying to survive. Numbers are not in your yes. favor. Like I... You know, I would know what my kid's name is because their crib would be labeled. And then if my 13 year old daughter went and took them and rearranged them all without telling me, I wouldn't know any of their fucking names.
0: <laughs> they all look the same, they're babies.
1: Right. Uh, the parents meet the parent teacher conference. And this is when I had very mixed feelings about Bradley. Because Bradley and Jamie have a very wild interaction. And that's when you learn, and it's been suggested thus far, but that's when you learn overtly, Bradley has absent parents. Unnecessary. Uh, Why? Why? Not needed. Why? This movie has 17 plots.
2: (laughs) You know who doesn't need development? This side character. (laughs)
1: Like... I, I, in that moment, I'm like, well, now I care more about Bradley. Like, You've just tried story. to
2: develop five babies as individual characters that have
1: personalities. Why are you focusing on this side character? But, uh, his story, honestly, with as few lines he's spoken, as smart as a kid as this is, I want to know his story, actually. I'm, I'm sorry,
2: you him. expect me to both know that Bradley doesn't have parents and that Eddie has a penis? That is too much information <laughs> for me to process. There's
0: so Don't worry, much though. JB will look at the at the camera and explain it to you oh
2: yeah she's gonna eddie has a penis brad's parents suck (laughs) yeah
0: in this moment jamie is uh fucking ron weasley for the record everything i hate about ron weasley comes to play right here where i always am so annoyed when i'm in my harry potter uh era which is going on like 30 years now when Harry when Ron complains to Harry about his parents and it's like cool at least you have parents right. like that's all I got from the scene is she's like wham, my parents where wham, wham, and like does this suck for her yes and I'm sure as a 13 year old girl it sucks monumentally but the fact that Brad comes back and is like cool well my parents have never been to one thing I've ever been at and I would kill for one look that your parents give you I was like okay it's Ron and Harry got it
2: yep hey, he's like he's like yeah, but when you get a good grade, you, f- you f- it feels good. Like, I don't well, need validation from other people.
0: I'll be in therapy later. Like yeah.
2: Yeah, this is, this <laughs> I'm going to have a really high be- bill for all of the therapy I'll be getting. <laughs>
1: Golly. Jamie goes home to the parents, and the, she doesn't come out and say anything to her parents. She's very passive-aggressive until... Until she, like, weasels it out of her dad that they missed an event. And then the mom has the audacity to try to defend her actions while the dad is undermining everything the mom is saying by, like, it's okay, you can be mad at us. Like, what a confusing message and relationship right there.
0: But then mom is like, why don't we get you a spot in the commercial? The reason that we didn't go is we were prepping the quints for their big commercial tomorrow. And mom goes... To make it up to you, we'll get you a spot in the commercial. And I thought, Mom, you idiot. She doesn't want a spot in the commercial. She just wanted you to be there. She's been very clear this whole movie that she does not want to be involved with the Quints at all. So naturally, Jamie goes, really? You mean it? I could be in the commercial?
1: And I was (laughs) like, what the fuck is
2: going on? This is consistent character development. It makes a lot of sense.
1: Uh, When we cut to the commercial,
2: she doesn't want to be in it anymore because... Albert. Now, hold on. He's bag. Yeah. She did want to be it. Let me ask you, Alan. Would you want to be it if your role was literally shit? I would have said no from the beginning.
1: (laughs) Because I understand consistent character development. Like, this twist and turn is unnecessary. This entire sequence is unnecessary. It adds nothing to the overarching plot. But you're right, Max. They put her in a diaper and have her role play a turd, and it's <laughs> just. I but wouldn't she want to be do a it. turd either. She
0: doesn't like, want it. She doesn't do it.
2: It is a bit shocking when the parents say to Albert, "Hey, Jamie wants to be in the commercial." And even though Albert said, "Well, Jamie, like we're not going to feature you. It's all about the Quince. We can't have you in." Albert says, "Sure, we'll make it work. We'll put her in the commercial." Something you're not expecting, but of course. It's because she's going to play a bad role. And she ultimately declines me in the commercial because they put her in a giant diaper costume.
1: So we go back to the school and Jamie is feeling some kind of way. Obviously, she was just asked to role play a shit. And
2: <laughs> that, was a, that was a full diaper, though. Yeah. I mean, if you if you, if you were wondering, that, you that baby it. needed changing. Yep. There, was, there was a hell of a load in that. Y'all there. ever been to a
0: baby shower where they play the, uh, the chocolate The candy bar no. the
1: diaper game? I have not. There's you don't this want to.
0: horrible game that people play at baby showers where they get real diapers and they melt various chocolate bars in them and then they pass around and you're supposed
1: you have to smell them. To Don't they also
0: put is. things like
2: horseradish and stuff in there?
0: But no, They it, it looks like shit because it's different chocolate bars, and then you have to smell <sighs> them and <laughs> guess, guess which one each, each of them is.
2: Right. Oh, and God. they talked
0: about that actually on an episode of Shits Creek. And Alan was like, is that real? And I was like, yeah, unfortunately, that is a real game that is played commonly at baby showers. That's
2: ridiculous. Yeah, they show that game in Gilmore Girls at one point. So I'm I'm unfamiliar with it. Uh
0: It's a real thing that people do.
1: The entire crux of Jamie going back to school is for her to again express to her friends that she is frustrated because she feels she's not getting attention. She's finally articulating that. Brad, in a not very good way, is like, just go talk to your parents. And then Mr. B comes in and Mr. B, by the way, spits some facts here because Jamie asks Mr. B, Hey, is the magnet school that I want to go to better than other schools? And he's like, what I don't like is that he tries to get out of the conversation, which goes against his character thus far. I
0: thought that was a joke.
1: Well, I hope it was. I, I genuinely do. And then because he does come back around and he goes and he spits facts. He says, you know, people get into college from anywhere. Some people who are successful don't have to go to college. Some people who are successful don't go to magnet school. Some people who are successful might not even graduate their high schools.
0: And And some people that go to college don't do anything. Don't do anything.
1: Don't do anything. Yeah. Which is... This is the best part of the movie,
2: by the way. Best part of the movie. Agreed. Just
1: Mr. B saying the truth. Spitting
2: very real facts about the education system
1: and that is an epiphany ish moment for jamie but that is then followed up with another really touching moment where mr b is like hey you should want to come to the art gala uh, in this weekend because your art's on display and she's like no it's not and he goes no i've nominated your art you're really good you should come because i think you have a good chance of showing your talents
0: you know who we haven't talked about much is zoe and I think Zoe might be the best friend in the entire universe, at least in the realm of 13-year-old girls, because she's incredibly supportive to all of Jamie's whining all the time. She comes over to help babysit the babies all the time, which is like not what 13-year-old girls want to do generally. And in this moment, when she dragged her friend to art club, even though she's been in art club forever, working on various art, when her friend who just showed up because she had nothing better to do a few weeks ago gets nominated for the big art gallery, Zoe is nothing but happy and excited for her. Right? There's no moment of like, oh, I wish that would have been me, or like any. She's just immediately so excited for her friend, and. I feel like Zoe, also a top contender for best character in the movie. Again, the bar is very low. But also, I feel a little sad because I feel like this was quite a demotion from mm. Piper. In-
2: Can I say, honestly shocked they didn't write that narrative point in because God knows they love writing <laughs> in unnecessary <laughs> character beats. Right. I'm shocked. I'm shocked we don't get a jealousy plot point that comes in, in the in the last third of this film.
0: Yeah, because then Jamie could be having a pity party that her parents are ignoring her because of the quints she's also mad the quints aren't individuals she also doesn't like albert she also brad's mad at her because she's whining about her parents and then Zoe well, and he gets mad good grades
2: him. he and gets, he good, gets grades. good grades
0: and then zoe's mad at her because she's jealous it's uh, not
2: her fault that she has talent
0: yeah, yeah. it, it could have we could have had her just had everybody be yeah
2: real missed opportunity here to, to not write that plot line in, in, in my script problem. that's in yeah, that's it's
0: right. an extra seven minutes in, my, yeah. in the extended <laughs> well, that I you know
2: really what I like. needed in this movie was an extra seven minutes let me tell yeah. you
1: they come home from this good news and Jamie shares it with her parents hey guys can you come to my gal the parents uh, first of all they have that, that dumb cutaway scene where she subverts expectation again lies to you and is like you guys didn't think that was actually how my parents were going to react did you where they are angry and instead the parents are very supportive Which again flies in the face of the narrative and the plan we've heard thus far. And like we'll absolutely be there. This is we want to support you. We want to see you be successful. Great. We'll make something happen to take care of the quince. Skeezy Albert comes in, not three minutes later, and is like, Hey guys, I got you invited to the governor's dinner. You guys have been nominated the best parents of the year, which what a what a crazy award that is, if that's real. (laughs) And it's also On the same, well, they don't say this, but you know this as the audience member. It's on the same day as Jamie's gala. And the parents, thrilled, over the moon, couldn't be happier. uh, Skeezy Albert and Jamie have a a look exchanged. Jamie reads the invite that says it's the same day as her gala. Doesn't confront anybody. Runs from the house with the worst show of fake crying I have ever seen. She she gets down like the emotions and the sounds and everything else right. It's just the actual the lip, tears that were the missing. The lip tremble. Yeah. Oh, the lip tremble was epic. The lip and tremble I mean was genuinely. good. Like genuinely a very dramatic but, lip tremble,
0: but not a not a tear to be seen.
1: I, I mean, listen, she's eighty percent of the way there. It's just now they just had to have the actual tears. So this is, the, this is the conflict.
2: This is the climax we all knew was coming, right? There's going to be something important for Jamie. There's going to be something important for the quince. Mom and dad are going to have to make a choice. And we all knew. We all knew. This is what this movie was going to. It's the obvious like, climax moment of the movie. We've been building towards it. We didn't need half of what got us here, but it's nice that we've
1: arrived. And Jamie expresses her emotion in a really healthy way. By tearing up her artwork. That's right. Inexplicable. uh, Yeah. To me. Inexplicable.
0: Is it not a physical manifestation of how she feels about the quints?
1: I think she likes the quints.
2: No, she she resents them. She wants to tear their faces in half. Whoa. (laughs) She wants to murder babies. Jamie wants to murder a fucking baby. She wants to absolutely (laughs) fucking kill these babies. you, You think
0: it's a coincidence that the next scene, one of the babies is in the hospital?
2: Jamie fucking hurt that baby. She she put that fucking baby in that oh hospital. My <laughs>
0: God. We just wrote a much more interesting movie for the record.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> it's on a it's on like a, a very dramatic Hallmark film. It's not a decomp. Okay, Ooh, but probably not on I hallmark. Th- probably the I, travel I, channel.
0: <laughs> I think
1: that she Southern fraud homicide.
0: That no, that's investigative discovery, and damn dude. I love the yeah, investigative. Yes, it would be on investigative discovery. discovery channel. Channel. That's what it would be on. Um I think that it truly is her being like, well, my parents aren't going to come anyway, so what's the point? But that also flies in the face of everything this movie's about because the movie's supposed to be about her finding herself and her own passion, and it's just so stupid. But yeah, she rips up a bunch (sighs) of her
1: artwork. And there is an intervention with Bradley and Zoe and Mr. B where Mr. B saves some of the stuff. And it cuts through, she, she ultimately, like, that re- somehow resolves the entire situation where she's like, I'm not even going to go to the gala anymore. Uh, and Mr. B is kind of like, all right, you don't have to go. Your art's still going to be there. It'll be lonely, is what he says. Your art will be lonely. We get to the next day at school after a very terse morning uh, at, the, at, at Jamie's household. She's in art class and the principal comes in. Tells something, whispers something to Mr. B. You hmm. know, there's conflict. Mr. B comes over to Jamie, he's like, hey, everything's okay, but I've got some news to share with you. Which is like n- never, never something you want to hear. And then he drives Jamie to the hospital, Mr. He being Mr. B, which who's teaching his class? He's
0: letting him free
2: color. Feels like one of her parents could have come and picked her up.
1: Right.
0: They forgot about her, though.
2: There you go.
1: Uh, What was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. It it couldn't be anything else. They arrive at the hospital. There is a a distraught ish mom and dad because Adam, baby Adam, is sick. He's got his fever just spiked. He's very, very sick.
0: You know, I'm surprised that baby got sick at all because in every scene of this movie, someone new is picking up those babies. And I thought that was supposed to increase a baby's immune system or maybe it made him sick i don't know actually anything about children but i always thought that it was kind of like exposure therapy
1: uh who who knows anymore we we will get the baton pass relay baby situation here in just a second i I like the idea that one of them
2: quince is sick and not all of them yeah like true
1: come on yeah for sure in this scene it serves as a device to get skeezy albert out of the picture albert shows up And it's like, oh, thank God, it's only one of them. How would you guys feel about putting a stand-in baby in the upcoming commercial?
2: (laughs) And this is what doesn't make any sense about this idea to me, is that they are seemingly marketable because they're five quints. And I think Albert has just revealed the whole problem with with this plot. Why do you actually need a mom to have quints? Why don't you just get five babies and put them together and take photos of them and say that they're quints because they're
1: fucking babies and no one would know.
0: I think because as we are told several times, they're the first quints in the state and the newspapers were there when the babies were born and all that stuff.
1: Well, they're one out of 60 million. So, you know, that's why that's he did why. It. Uh, I guess
0: I'm with Albert though. I don't think anyone would notice if they got <laughs> literally,
2: literally zero people would notice. They're really giving up the bag here by not
0: <laughs> like by, all their, all their pictures are like grainy, small newspaper pictures anyway, or like
2: the year 2000, we don't have HD phones. Come on. I, I,
0: yeah. They're fine.
1: The family cuts ties with Albert because Jamie stands up to him and the parents support Jamie and they cut Albert loose. Well, this is the moment that they realize
2: that these are not one set of quints, but five individual babies that are because when we were driving this, when we were driving Adam to the hospital, we realized that not all five babies were sick. Just Adam was sick. And that means he's his own baby what the fuck is this movie doing what is this what is
1: happening in this film
0: watching the other four babies
1: (laughs) nobody they're alone a neighbor probably it's a good question
0: they never establish anyone that can help them ever that's a whole plot device at one point is that they don't know anyone that could help them watch the babies
1: <sighs> it's they're, they're alone they'll, they'll be fine there's four of them they'll look after each other so sure. they, the babies are watching <laughs> they're each watching one each one. other well because
2: they're individuals and one of them is a really <laughs> good caretaker for the other one yeah Eddie.
0: Debbie is a really good leader
2: <laughs> mm, yeah mm-hmm. Eddie has taken on that fatherly burden of babysitting <laughs> and he's he's looking after the other three children God.
1: <laughs> so this scene only serves as a way to kick skeezy albert to the curb and it does so adam comes back home feeling well and the parents go to certainly not a green screen of barney fife's manor and when they show the parents show up to meet with governor barney fife they Forget the Quints. Well, it's important
0: to know, too, that KJB says, I never told them about the art show because I felt like I'll have more art shows, but my parents will only be parents of the year one time. So me and Zoe and Bradley are going to babysit while they go to the
2: gala.
1: Conflict resolution. It happened. Mm -hmm. Growth. Growth. But the parents forget the babies because at the top of the invite. It says the you parents and the Quints. Are cordially invited to Barney Fife's gala. You parents have no value without these five babies. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. He needs a picture for the gram. Barney Fife needs that photo for the gram he in the year two thousand. That's he needs right.
1: The likes. You know who recognizes that they needed the babies? The actual adult in this film, Jamie and jamie calls
0: why mr. Though? B. why
1: would she notice
0: that the invite said the quits like no, no why no, would no she reasons. be looking at that
1: I, uh, I don't know she just does you know what plot reasons right. she looks at it like, it is what the script says yeah, yeah that's true it is what the script hey jamie kjb look at the look at the invite that's right so she calls all reliable mr b and his volkswagen bus van it's a great the, car great car uh, except it isn't because it breaks down halfway on the way to the ho- to Thank God I, it didn't happen on the way to the hospital.
0: <laughs> I just love the idea that like these three 13-year-olds are going to pack up five babies and bring them across town, which like, I don't know that at 13 I could have been trusted to do something like that.
2: I love the idea that he doesn't go with them, that he was going to drive them to the governor's hall his car breaks down and now he just knowingly goes take those five babies get on that bus or something i'm gonna stay here with my van
0: hell of a transportation system for this tiny town truly we have
2: why do they have a subway
0: bus transportation and a full subway like we're in new york that's right and it's already been established it's not new york because the statue of liberty is not there
2: it's
1: milford everybody it's milford that's the town it's
2: milford we know what town it is because she said in case you aren't quick enough milford is the place that i live and i said out loud i hate this Now, seemingly, she could be going into the city because they're going to the governor's mansion. Now, that is true. That's true. They could be relocating. They took the bus into the city, and now they're taking the subway within. Even
0: even better for the teacher to let them go on the subway alone. Uh, Exactly.
1: Like, let's consider math for a moment. These are three early teens who have five babies. That means two of these early teens are carrying two carriers on their own, and one is carrying one. Then they, which is just a logistical nightmare as it is. They get on to the- Chandler and Joey couldn't keep up with one baby. No, That's not true. At all. They left it. that baby on the bus. They sure did. Mm-hmm. And then couldn't, ducks are ducks bunnies. Ducks are clowns. Du- oh, ducks are clowns. What
0: kind of scary ass clowns came to your birthday party? That's the joke they make that I tried ducks, to make another time. Ducks and I I, <laughs> I freaking dunked it. I tried to tell Max the joke and it was bad.
2: You know, you're you're doing great now, though. <laughs> 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 oh, it, it's it. better this time around, let me tell you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so they encounter scary bikers on the subway. Sure. Meanwhile, There's a looming approach.
0: Meanwhile, Barty Fife is like having an absolute meltdown that these babies are <laughs> He's not... He's going to
2: send the National Guard to he go get the babies. He's literally state troopers out. Oh, which is a great use of taxpayer dollars. And... Probably the most realistic part
1: of this movie. Yeah, yeah, true. Especially in Florida. Completely Um, irresponsible use of tax money. (laughs) And eventually, Jamie shows up with her friends and the babies and the bikers. More strangers doing the baby relay who carry these babies and hand them off to the parents who then hand them off to Barney Fife's aides. And they all kind of get together. And Barney Fife, again... In a wild, only because he read it in the script, plot twist, goes, hey, if you'd like to go back home, not stay here with your family, if you'd like to go back home, I've got a driver. He'll take you anywhere you want to go. Yeah. And Jamie's like, anywhere I want to go? We're going it, to the
2: art show, baby. Goes yeah. to the
1: art show, baby, where Jamie wins a blue ribbon. Hell yeah, she does. And a bunch of money oh wait bait and switch stare right back at the camera again because we're bringing that device back wouldn't that be great if that happened yeah it would but it didn't and you won your blue ribbon and the actual good news the actual thing that should have happened is the parents show up and are there to congratulate her embrace with the governor with barney fife and all the babies and all the
2: babies
0: and the secret service Not the Secret Service. Who protects the governor?
2: Yeah. Because the only way that mom and dad will make time for Jamie is if they also bring all five babies and have a governor escort to get them there. They can't choose to make time for Jamie. It has to be this act of God that gets them to Jamie's important moment. What would have been great
1: is if this movie
2: ended right here. It That's didn't. true. It should have ended right it here. I agree.
1: It did not. It cut to a couple of months in the future, where Jamie says she's now fourteen. She does this once more. She she can't end the film without doing some weird subversive nonsense. And then I think, in in a, in a world where Jamie has been drawing so many things throughout this film that are actually ok, actually pretty darn good. I think she holds up the only thing that she actually drew, which is a sign. That says made you look in scrawled bubble letters Uh. and she's like you didn't think I'd actually do that did you and the movie ends on sub, like on her being condescending again
2: let me ask you a question the the thing that she made you look at was that mom was having another bunch of kids (laughs) sextuplets yeah do you think that made you look is that she's having seven kids or that she's having any kids because she looked pregnant, and let me tell you, it's just as crazy <laughs> if she's pregnant at all. I think
0: it's that she's pregnant at all. I think okay. the joke
1: is that I'll she's accept having it. more kids. Yeah. I, I'll I, accept. I'm it. hoping that the joke is that she's pregnant at all. And that's how we wrap, Quince. Everybody, it. um Listen, I know we've ragged on it a lot throughout this entire uh, series. <laughs> this, I, you know. Max, I think for me, Quince is my don't look under the bed. It is sure. so it, I have a very like low cringe meter and the, there was something that some perfect storm about the elements included in this movie that were just a travesty to to behold, right? Disregarding all the plot items which I think could have been improved to make this movie a better movie and a more a more cohesive movie and frankly a more efficient movie that got you from beginning to end a lot a lot easier. Those those devices that they used to try to like provide nonstop exposition. We're just so let's rate it. Let's rate (sighs) it. Alan, what's yours? One out of ten. It was uh my least favorite decom we've watched thus far. I think that and here's the deal. I I based on everything that I've said so far, it could have been done well. This this concept of a child wanting to be passionate about something and then having siblings some number come in and sort of interrupt that Helicopter parent force, like force her out of her comfort zone. Like that, that is a good story to tell. I think that's a story that kids could identify with in the DCOM audience. I genuinely believe it could have done been done very well. It was just in, in through my lens executed poorly in a lot of different ways. And then all of those devices of exposition exacerbated the issue. Uh, But I think the core, the core elements of the story, if it was, beginning to end very linear and not this ball of ball of yarn could have been done pretty well. So one, but the, and that's only because the story could have been done well.
0: I'm going to give it a 1.5, I think. And that is entirely for Mr. B. Hmm. And uh, particularly the part where he's like, go to school and him, you know, could be, Great. People go to college from all places. Some people go to college and don't do anything. Some people don't graduate high school and do big things. That mm-hmm. yeah. that was some actual solid information. Um, but the rest, uh, yeah, the one point five. Uh, I, okay, let me retract one point three of it is for Mister B, um, and point two of it is for Zoe. It's a it's a terrible movie. I hated the talking. I hated that my biggest thing is that no one could make up their mind about what they want and what they don't want. And Mm. it flip-flopped every scene. And, um, I, I did not find this enjoyable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think this movie is horrible. I think that I hated it. Um, (laughs) I will say that don't look under the bed as I've described. Willed me. To turn it off, in in a way that you are describing, Alan, uh, in in a way that you you found yourself fighting to yeah. want to take action uh, against that movie, and I remember saying to you that I resented both of you and this podcast <laughs> um, <laughs> for me having to finish that film, which I think maybe Alan, you are feeling. I am in this moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will say I didn't feel that. Oh, lucky you. While watching this And that is to say I gave Don't look under the bed A one. Oh, And uh, so I'll give this A one point two And huh. that point two Difference is Resentment
1: Yeah, that
2: yeah resentment A lack like A, a lack of resentment mm-hmm. You know The difference between The one and the And the one point two To me is I don't resent This
1: movie But I hate it
0: mm, <laughs>
1: um, Yeah You know Well I would like to Share with you all one of the reviews that I've gotten from IMDb. Now I, I can't, will, I can't wait. I will tell you that there is there was one review that I'm not going to read. It's very, very bad. But the other review that I have, I can't wait to share with you. It is a one out of ten. Uh huh. We agree. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Ellipses. We are aligned. Uh, aligned. Aligned. I hate saying anything negative, but I just have to warn everybody about Mm. how awful this movie is agreed i could not stop watching it because i kept on wondering if it was all some big joke or something the movie did have an okay idea behind it if it had been made differently it could have been better the main character gets so annoying throughout the movie that you'll want to throw your television out a window Mm -hmm. she does a horrible job narrating and her character keeps on tricking you about what happens and then we'll go back and say i was just kidding that isn't what really happened I think one major thing that turned me off about this movie is the fact that the main character will constantly talk to you the viewer sure. it makes it seem like I'm watching one of those toddler shows where they ask <laughs> you questions and wait for you to answer in fact that is just what she does it's too bad that Disney wasted its money on this movie the acting in this movie feels like a cheap high school play hopefully you don't waste your time watching it I gave it a one vote for awful but it deserves a zero Hmm. now Alan did you write that? I didn't <laughs> It uh, feels actually, like you might have. I, I 100% did. Let's take a moment though and be thankful because we came back to Zetus Lapidus with Ready to Run. We did. Yeah. I do feel a little betrayed. I feel like I was lulled into a false sense of security sure. with Ready uh-huh. to Run and I had sort of high expectations for Quint, Quince and that was ultimately a letdown. But let's continue to be hopeful. What's next? It's called The Other Bee. And it stars the youngest
0: Lawrence brother.
2: Oh. An Andrew Lawrence appearance. Back uh, since
1: Horse Sense.
0: I have not seen this movie.
1: I haven't either. Yeah, I have not either. We're we are entering this sort of transition area where I think we're going to go through, and I'm not looking at the list right now, but I think we're going to go through a period where I'm not familiar with any of these titles until... I haven't like, seen any of them. Like High School Musical.
0: There are going to be a few, I think, that you've seen coming up before High School Musical. There's, there's a few...
2: Uh, well like luck of the irish one i am more so mean like there's a stretch we're on right now that i've looked at all the titles and i haven't seen any of them mom's got a date with a vampire phantom of the megaplex i haven't seen phantom of the megaplex i haven't seen the other me i haven't seen all, all these movies
1: so it's gonna be it's hey you know what fingers crossed that they are that that they are at least average that we get the, the I a- hope to be surprised Yeah, I, I would love to be surprised I'm hoping for the B or C team of writers right that's this what looks
2: like the, the the cover of this the other me looks like Andy Lawrence plays two parts oh uh, uh, kind of like a
1: is, is it a little bit like a genius situation he appears twice on the cover side by side oh well that's kind of what they did with genius but
0: good news I, is we're only five away from xenon the sequel.
1: Thank God. we do have a finish line. And then
0: after that, we get Motocross, which I know I've seen. Mm-hmm. And then Luck of the Irish. So oh, we yeah. do have some good stuff okay. not too far away. Well, that's good. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Zetus Lapidus. If you could rate and review, leave us comments. That really helps us out. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media and YouTube channels at Mammoth Club or Mammoth underscore club. And until next time, friends, it's been great.
2: Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.